You are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM this morning. We have come to our second hour of the show. It is beautiful outside here. Beautiful, sunny, just incredible. And right now we are going to have another question for the quiz. So... Here we go. It's a, it's a fill in the blank, guys. Make sure I, I have to prepare as much as you have to prepare for these kinds of questions because I cannot give away the answer. Fill in the blank. Oh, and I, I know this one too. For this is the love of God that we keep his blank and his blank are not grievous. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our KJV Bible with My Finley Study Helps and our Answers to Difficult Questions by Joe Cruz. We'll give them to you absolutely for free, provided you enter the quiz, provided you win the draw. And again, that question was, fill in the blank, for this is the love of God, that we keep his blank and his blank are not Grievous zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, so heading over to text messages, we have none. We have no text messages. We actually got one. We got a photo. Uh huh. So everybody's kind of quiet this morning. So hey, we'd love to hear from you guys. This is an unusual event. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, we've got one hundred and fourteen out of one hundred and twenty-eight sites on air. So mm-hmm. it seems that we're going to air in most places. But mm-hmm. we'd love to hear from you guys. Wake up, guys! Come on. Okay, so Freco sent us through a photo because uh-huh. it is the bird thing happening this week. Oh yeah, people are counting birds. That's right. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about that already? We didn't. Let's do it. So, guys, you've been commissioned. Yes. Count. The birds. There's a website somewhere. Yep. Don't you, remember what it is. There is. I, I'll, I'll find it Producer right, Shell's probably right here. Producer Shell, she knows what's up. Um, so, no, but you can head over, I believe. I'm just Annual having... Aussie bird count. That's, there you go. There you go. Head over, just look it up. Annual Aussie bird count. And so what you do is you register your location and you register the time. You go there and then you sit there for 20 minutes and count every single bird that is in your backyard uh, for the next 20 minutes. Mm. So we did that yesterday. We had 16 black cockatoos who mm. flew over our yard. We had two Indian miners, otherwise known as rats with wings, mm-hmm. uh, and a couple of... Two spotted doves and... No, they weren't sp- well, and yeah, spotted a partridge doves. in a pear tree. <laughs> we didn't have a partridge, <laughs> and we don't have a pear tree, unfortunately. I thought we had one other bird, but I can't remember. Magpie. Just a Magpie. Yeah. Magpie. So Franco sent through his photo of a handful of rainbow lorikeets. Now you love rainbow lorikeets. They like the noisiest things, but they are so tame and they love to come and sit on your hand and eat food. And I love guys. That. We got a text message. We did. My friend, my friend Johanna. She, I go Johanna. She just texted me. Go on from Braden as well. Hi. Okay. We we got a text she's, message. She's just like, hey, what what's up? You know, she heard <laughs> our please. She heard our cries. And she texted she us. She has responded. She's, I, got one, I, I get, got one that actually came through a little while back from Brayden. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, you just can't read. Oh. A simple response to screen time. Uh-huh. Smart parents give their kids dumb phones. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it's, it. It's very appropriate mm-hmm. right there. So smart parents give their kids dumb phones. Okay, so we'd love to hear from you guys over the next uh, little while. We'd also love for everybody to get involved in the... Uh, the, the annual bird count. Yes. I think it's a great project. I count think it's the great, birds. Great to get out there amongst nature. We find more about our country and what's going on in our country with birds and so forth. 
we're able to compare these. It's, it's an important part of research, but it also tells us more about God. Anytime you spend time in nature, it tells you more about God. Problem is, I'm not very bird inclined. I don't know the names. Doesn't matter. Uh, if you go to the bird site, it will tell you. You take, take a photo of it, it'll tell you what the name oh, is. Oh, okay. okay. There you and go. And if you don't know what the name of it is, then ask you know, Blair or someone like that. Who's <laughs> like major bird watchers. Bird nerd. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Blair, I think Blair was on here yesterday. He was pretty excited about the national. Oh, he's so into it. That was the one thing. thing. So in Byron Bay, like Byron Bay is such a funny place because you've got a town of individuals who are all so similar. Um, and similar in the sense, I feel like, like every, every 10 meters up the beach you walk, there's another person starting their amateur bird photography career. You know, they've got the (laughs) camera out and they're taking pictures of, seagulls or something i don't know uh but yeah just so many bird watchers so many bird photographers out that way just in byron bay in byron bay yeah i guess there's a lot of birds there yeah there are other places where there are lots of birds though no but i i feel like it's not because there's lots of birds there i just feel like lots of trendies there. there's just lots of trendy people there and yes. bird watching is trendy it is mm-hmm. it's a good kind of it's a good trend yeah i don't get out in never, nature and look at birds yeah i've never really been into it my dad was into it a bit my great uncle was like the mo- world's most massive bird watcher ever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not only was a bird watcher he was a bird caller so he'd sit down and do the bird calls and then the co- birds would come and land on him wow oh absolutely that's actually yes that's amazing yes now that is useful well, looking at birds i'm kind of like oh but if i could just squawk at them and get them to come and hang out with me that would be amazing I've, I've actually seen it where he came to visit us when I was a kid down in Tasmania mm-hmm. one time. Never been to Tasmania before. Goes down into the orchard, sits in the orchard for a while, studies the birds and like, oh, yeah, there's a little bit different from the mainland species, picks up their call, starts doing bird calls next minute. There's one comes and sits on his head. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just, uh, he was a freak of nature. He, <laughs> uh, he won the, the Australian Bird Call Championship seven years running uh, until they banned him from competing and made him a judge. This guy is this. Oh, he was, vi- okay. he was legit. He, he was said, legit. "Oh yeah, he's like the best bird watcher in Australia." I'm like, "Yeah, like everyone says that about someone who's you know interested in a particular hobby." No, he's actually the best. He was. He was he passed away some years yeah, ago, but he just was actually the best uh, to the point where they banned him from the competition. They banned him from competing. That's so <laughs> funny. That is amazing. Uh, all right. Um, uh, Braden says, hey, guys, was good to meet you on the weekend, Lawson. Oh, yeah. Catch up with one of some of our listeners up there. Yeah, it was amazing. All right, let's get into our Bible study. Psalms 49. Mm-hmm. Let's just read this whole psalm. It's this, yep, Psalms 49. Uh, I'm assuming if we're going to read the whole psalm, it's relatively short. Would I Would I be correct in no. guessing? Oh, okay, it's a long. We're just going to spend our whole... You know, I'd love to do a Bible study where it's just, just we're just reading the whole time. But here we go, Psalms 49. Oh, it's not particularly short, but we're going to read the whole thing in one go. Well, let's see. Let's let's do it a bit at a time, shall we? Let's all do right, it a bit all of right. Time. Let's Psalm- see. Well, maybe, maybe we should just read the whole thing and then go back over. Which one do you want to do? I just, I just, I'll just start reading and you just say stop. Read the whole thing. That'll give us some context. Then we'll go back and take it in chunks from there. All right, Psalm 49 for the choir director, a psalm for the descendants of Korah. Listen to this, all you people. Pay attention, everyone in the world. High and low, rich and poor, listen. For my words are wise and my thoughts are filled with insight. I listen carefully to many proverbs and solve riddles with inspiration from a harp. Why should I fear when trouble comes, when enemies surround me? 
They trust in their wealth and boast of great riches when they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Redemption does not come so easily, for no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave. Those who are wise must finally die, but just like the foolish and the senseless, leaving all their wealth behind, the grave is their eternal home, where they will stay forever. They may name their estates after themselves, but their fame will not last. They will die. Just look at the animals. This is the fate of fools, though they are remembered as being wise. Like sheep, they are led to the grave, where death will be their shepherd. In the morning, the godly will rule over them. Their bodies will rot in the grave, far from their grand estates. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. So don't be dismayed when the wicked grow rich, and their homes become ever more splendid. For when they die, they take nothing with them, for their wealth will not follow them into the grave. In this life, they consider themselves fortunate and are applauded for their success. But they will die like all before them and never again see the light of day. People who boast of their wealth don't understand. They will die just like animals. Uh, wow, that is so encouraging. <laughs> I am so uplifted and enlightened. You know, it's like when you go to want to read some, you want to spend some time reading your Bible for some um, uplifting, encouraging kind of mm-hmm. thing. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to sit down and read the Psalms for a while. You will do- die and all of your money doesn't matter. And then you hit Psalms 49. Yeah. <laughs> it's... um. I, I kind of feel like this should be a country music song, maybe. Oh, about losing everything. And dying. <laughs> yeah. so- I lost everything. I died. Someone kicked my dog. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. So who wrote this one? Uh, the Sons of... Written for the Sons of Korah, but who was it written by? I'm I'm not sure. It doesn't was, say. It doesn't say. Okay. Maybe... Because I know that there's sections where it'll say, like, this is the section written by David, and then it will yeah. just put down a bunch of psalms. I won't list them in every so single... So maybe this one is unknown. Let me just have but a quick in, squeeze. But in, my in every soon. single... I think this is just... I think this is... It says for the descendants of Korah, but I feel as though it's by the descendants of Korah. Like by the sons of Korah. What does it say in your Bible? Mine says, to the chief musician, a uh-huh. psalm for the sons of Korah. Uh-huh. So the sons of Korah, these were the leaders of the choir. Yeah. And so somebody's written it to the chief musician, who is uh-huh. obviously the choir master, uh-huh. uh, for the choir to sing. That's right. Mm-hmm. So somebody here, probably David, mm-hmm. um, we would assume it would be David because mm-hmm. David most of the... Wrote most of the psalms. You got a few by Solomon. You got a few by Asaph. But uh, mm-hmm. we would assume this one was David. So David writes this psalm and is like, "Here's a great song. Take this and take it to the choir and mm-hmm. sing this. Mm-hmm. This this would be encouraging. Mm-hmm. It's all about death. You're going to die and that's it. It's done. It's over. Yep. You're going to die and nothing everything, matters. Everything is worthless. Uh huh. Okay, so let's go back through this particular psalm and let's look at the message that it has for us today because Mm. I don't know whether you caught it or not, but there's some really encouraging lines. Not many, (laughs) but really encouraging. Uh Maybe I should say line. Mm -hmm. No, I think there's actually lines Mm -hmm. in this particular 
Song. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back through. Let's break this down. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse one and two. Listen to this, all you people. Pay attention, everyone in the world. High and low, rich and poor. Listen. Okay, so he tells everybody to listen up, and he's going to repeat this concept a few different times, like stop and think about this, listen mm-hmm. to this, this is what's going it's on right here. important to consider. And he says rich and poor. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes to the grave, everyone is at the same level. Yeah. This is, you know, the reality of life, and he's going to make that point quite pointedly mm. as he goes through the psalm. Mm-hmm. Verse 3. In his on, it says, For my words are wise and my thoughts are filled with insight. Okay, so, so this person's like, I've got some stuff to say right now. And, and it's really smart. It's, you guys need to listen. Uh-huh. I, got, I got some things on my mind. You yes. know, I'm, I'm penning them down. You need to give heed. And it continues on in verse 4. It says, I listen carefully to many proverbs and solve riddles with inspiration from a harp. Okay, so we're 99.9% sure this is going to be David because he was the famous harpist. He's been playing on his harp. He's been listening to all kinds of stuff. Uh And he's been doing a lot of pondering on this particular thought. Mm. And one of the challenges, of course, that has always existed down through time is the fact that there are people out there who... Uh, they look at the world and they say, okay, most wealthy people don't serve God. What's up with that? Mm. You know, the reality is that if you go to uh, a wealthy suburb Mm -hmm. and you try and witness in that wealthy suburb, you're going to have a harder time than you are going to have in a poorer Mm. suburb. And so David's like... Hmm. Let's do some thinking about this for a while, mm. because I will guarantee that nothing has changed from that time to this. Mm. I will guarantee that back then it was exactly the same as it is now, and it's kind of a cycle that you see uh, that takes place. You know, you find uh, somebody who is in poverty. Mm-hmm. In a low socioeconomic environment, they give their life to Jesus Christ. It's going to turn their life around. It's going to transform their life. Mm. And that's going to have a massive impact on their kids. Their kids are going to see their parents give their lives to God. They're going to see the impact that that has on them. And, you know, they'll probably just be working class, you know, people for the rest of their life, which is fantastic, by the way, uh, or even not. Mm. But the influence of Christ on their life is going to mean that their children are going to have higher expectations, Mm. their children are going to have more optimism and their children are going to have more success in life. Mm. And so their children come along who have seen their their parents converted, they've experienced conversion for themselves, they've seen the value that their parents place in their experience and they carry a a lot of that over into their lives and then they have children. Their children grow up in the church Mm. and they've never seen the dramatic change Mm -hmm that Christianity makes in a person's life. Mm. And so by the time you get to that third generation, you may have kids that stay in the church, but typically it's the third and fourth generation that will go out and become highly educated, mm-hmm. will become very wealthy, will go a long way because they have you know that solid Christian upbringing. Mm-hmm. And then they will have children of their own, and this is where it starts to decline. Mm. Because the children of the wealthy is often where things start to decline. Not always, Mm -hmm. but it typically goes downhill from that point, and the cycle goes back down, and so you've got a six to eight 
generational cycle mm. that takes place where the family will once again end up in a low socioeconomic environment. Yeah, that's right. You, know, uh, you get those kids that grow up just sort of, you know, they're, they're kind of spoiled and, yeah. and entitled and have expectations and may not be as motivated to go out and work hard yeah. as ones before them. I think it's like wealth creates apathy towards morality. Yes. But towards good morality and towards yes. good character. Yes. And I think that's why, like, in those situations where you said, oh, yeah, you can go and, and, and do outreach and witness in a, you know, higher socioeconomic area and it's generally more difficult. And it's interesting because there are lots of, quote, unquote, like, Christians and spiritual people in those area areas, but they're apathetic to the truth. Yes. Because of what they have. Um, they're apathetic to truth, they're apathetic to change, they're apathetic to submission towards God, these kinds of things. Um, and yeah, apathy in those areas ultimately, you know, leads, and, and a love of wealth ultimately leads to eventual downfall, whether it's in your generation or the next one. That's right. Mm. And it just cycles back through and then you get those generations that are living in low, socio- low socioeconomic environments. And once again... Mm. We can reach them with the gospel mm. and the cycle starts over. Mm. The key here is to break that cycle so that it never actually takes place mm. and that is by always raising your children and modelling to your children just how important God is in your life mm. because the apathy that comes in with wealth often is what means that while we might have a relationship with God, that apathy comes across to our children as, yeah, you know what, it's not the greatest and most important thing in our life. Oh, yeah. And that will destroy the faith of your children every time. Mm. Okay, so he's going to talk about, down through here, he's going to talk about the wealthy and the poor. Let's pick it up. Where did we get up to? Uh, we continue in verse 4. It says, I listen carefully. Oh, no, we read that one. Verse 5, it says, Why should I fear when trouble comes, when enemies surround me? They trust in their wealth and boast in their great riches, but they cannot redeem themselves from death by paying a ransom to God. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So David's like, and David is definitely somebody who has experienced this and possibly is experiencing it right Mm -hmm. now. But he says, you know, why should I fear when the days are evil? Mm -hmm. When people surround me, when enemies are are everywhere. Mm -hmm. Why should I be worried about them? They can't buy themselves out of death. Mm -hmm. And and this is the thing. Who can do that? You know, it's something that's so, it's so interesting that this is something that the wealthy has been obsessed with since the beginning of time. Yes. Buying themselves out of death. Um, and if we go all the way back to the beginning of time, that's kind of manifested as like the pharaohs being buried with all their wealth so that when they die, you know, they're wealthy in the afterlife and, you know, they won't suffer. They'll be, you know, well off and all of those different things. And in today, it manifests itself as, you know, if you look at like, well, it's depicted a lot in like sci-fi like this idea of wealthy people and they've they've created a way to upload their mind into a robot, but then just wealthy people today or are just trying to... just themselves cryogenically frozen. I mean, that used to yeah. be a thing like 30, 40 years ago, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, well, again, we know that... Well, this, this dwells in the minds of science fiction writers, but that's because there is a definite want by wealthy people to escape death. Yes. And they, they try. And imagine if science was actually too able to solve that thing and, you know, you've died, you're 80 years old and you get yourself chronogenically frozen and you get brought back to life because science gets smart enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be an 80-year-old man? Yeah, that's right. I don't. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes no sense. Shout out to our 80-year-olds out there, our 
octanari- octanarians. Yeah, but you don't want to come back as that. Yeah, yeah. You want to come back as a 30-year-old. And that's why we need Christ. Exactly. Because that's exactly what he's He says what he's no promising. one can redeem themselves, mm. but he's going to go on and he's going to point out that we do have a redeemer mm. that can redeem us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're into our Bible study time, but we've got one more question for our quiz. In which city did Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our amazing prizes for this week, our KJV Black Leather Study Bible with Mark Finley Bible study helps as well as answers to difficult questions, answers, sorry, to difficult Bible texts by Joe Cruz. If you want to win either of these prizes, all you have to do is answer our questions correctly and then go on to win the draw. But 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And again, that question was, in which city did Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law? Okay, if you know the answer, you know the number. Let's get into it. Study and let's see where mm. we're up to right now. All right, what? Where we? Which verse do we get up to? We talk. We were talking about redemption, and the fact is that you cannot buy your own redemption. There is no amount of mm. money that will buy you redemption. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what it says in verse eight in my Bible. It says, "Redemption does not come so easily, for no one can ever pay enough to live forever and never see the grave." Yes. Yeah. You can never. You can never afford that. Mm. But there is somebody who can afford that and somebody mm. who did buy it and bought it on our behalf and he bought it with the most expensive commodity that there is in the universe and that is blood. Mm. And in this case, it was the blood of God. It was the life of God. It was Jesus mm. Christ who gave his life for us and nobody can outbid that. Mm. You know, Nobody can come along and say, ah, oh, you know, that wasn't enough because there is nothing more valuable. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, so let's continue on here. Um, the Bible says, you know, that the, for the redemption of their soul is precious and it ends forever that he should still live forever and not see corruption. Your translation was definitely better on verse 8 and 9. What do you got for verse 10? In verse 10 it says, Those who are wise must finally die, just like the foolish and the senseless, leaving all their wealth behind. So that's interesting because he puts the wise... And the wealthy in the same same category as the foolish and senseless. Mm. And so often the wise and the wealthy look down on the foolish and senseless, and it's mm. like, oh yeah, you know, uh, they're just sort of pretty useless kind of people there. You know, what's what's going on there? Uh, but they really shouldn't be looking down on them because, well, they're going to end up in the same place, mm. mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know. Uh, not a great thing. Everybody, yeah. everybody at the end of time, they get buried side by side. They're never going to know the difference. Mm. We definitely like we idolize the wealthy, uh, particularly yes. the self-made, because yes. essentially life is a game. Like society has been set up as a game to mm-hmm. grow wealth, and those who are the wealthiest have played the they're game. The, they're the, the winners best. of the game. That's right. Uh, they're they're you know just as much as you 
admire Lionel Messi or Max Verstappen or all of these amazing sports players, we idolize the wealthy because they've played the game the best. Yeah. Um, there are some people who have kind of cheated in that game, but you know, definitely like the self-made billionaires and whatnot. We're like, wow, look at what these guys have been able to do. Um, but as you know, because yeah, they're like, of, of course they're incredibly smart people. They've gotten to where they've gotten because of that fact. But yeah, as we read here, it- yeah, you know, if, they, if you, if you, if you bury Lionel Messi in a grave beside, you know, some homeless person, mm-hmm. are they going to care? No. No? I'd hope not. No? I'd really hope not. And if you dig them up and there's no specific marker over the top of them, you know, is it going to be obvious which one's which? No. No? Mm. She's got two skeletons right there. Or, you you know, give it a bit more time, you can have two piles of dirt. Mm. Which one is which? How are you even going to mm. know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, David's on to something right here. Let's keep going. Uh, We continue reading in verse 11. It says, The grave is their eternal home, where they will stay forever. They may name their estates after themselves, but their fame will not last. They will die, just like animals. This is the fate of fools, though they are remembered as being wise. So, as we said, it's like, oh, yeah, they're wise because they're wealthy, but actually they're just fools. Uh huh. So, like in life, you've got the fools and the wise, but mm-hmm. in the end, everyone's just a fool, a dead fool. Yep. Oh wow. And it's interesting because they name their estates after themselves. The Bible says, mm. "We'll go to Israel today." And how many of those estates in Israel are named after someone from, you know, the seventh century BC? Mm. None. Mm-hmm. Those names have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. The people who we remember are the people who are recorded in Scripture, and the reason that they're recorded in Scripture typically is because they are people who have found grace or were incredibly evil. Yeah. yeah. And so the way, if you really want to be remembered, the way to really be remembered is to do good things mm-hmm. uh, and to do th- good things under the power of God and to experience God's grace in your life because those are the people that actually get remembered. Mm-hmm. All right, keep going. It continues on. Uh, in verse 14, it says, Like sheep, they are led to the grave where death will be their shepherd. In the morning, the godly will rule over them. Their bodies will rot in the grave far from their grand estates. But as for me, God will redeem my life. He will snatch me from the power of the grave. And then mine says after that, which I don't think yours does, says Selah. Mine says interlude. Ah, it means the same thing. Selah is so much better than interlude, though. It's the same. It's just a translation. It's no, it's not translation. Yeah. Selah means stop and think about it. Yeah. So the purpose of the interlude was to stop and meditate on what's just been said. That's what interlude means. No, interlude is when you go and get your ice cream. <laughs> yes. Selah is a much better word. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I love this right here where he draws this contrast between the wise who are foolish mm-hmm. and those who are redeemed. Mm. And this is this is why, you know, a wise person once said that the, the, the true purpose for all education is redemption. Mm. The real purpose for education is redemption because if you, you can educate a person to be, you know, the smartest person on the planet with the most letters after their name who accumulates the vastest amount of wealth and say we've done a good job in educating this person. Mm. But if they haven't found salvation, they fools and they will die a fool and they will rot in the grave as a fool. Yes. And as David says here, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. He shall receive me. 
Mm. And if you have accomplished that, you have accomplished everything that there is to accomplish in life. Mm. And you might look at your life and say, well, my life doesn't seem to have a lot of meaning right now. My, I haven't accumulated a lot of wealth. I haven't accumulated a, a vast education. I haven't accumulated you know, all of the things that I plan to do. But if you know Jesus, you've accomplished everything that you need to do. Mm. That's, that's what life is all about. Now, certainly there are, you know, Jesus expects you to go out and to be productive in this world. That's what the Bible teaches, the importance of being productive. Mm. But above everything else, we need to know Jesus. It's like, you know, uh, the, the, the parable of, of Paddy who was, you know, rowing a couple of people ashore and they were both scientists and, and he was just a simple sailor and he's rowing these guys ashore and, 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 and one of the sailors is like, oh, what do you know about biology? And he's like, nothing. It's like, oh, half your life is missing. He was a biologist. The other was a, give me a, a, a geologist in the mm-hmm. us. Uh, what do you know about geology? He's like, nothing. Oh, half your life is missing. Mm. Patty sort of thing. Well, there's both my halves of my life are missing. But then a big wave comes and capsizes the boat and, uh, and he says to these two guys, you know, which, which one of you guys knows anything about swimology? Mm. And they're both like, nothing. He's like, well, both your lives are missing. Wow. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's really what it is. If we don't know Jesus, if we haven't experienced his mm. grace, what's the point of knowing biology and mm. geology and anything else? Mm. This is the foundation right here. We need to know Jesus. And that's what David found here. He's like, these guys are fools because they accumulate wealth and that's it. Mm. A wise person accumulates grace. Amen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. Lawson's going to give you some answers for the quiz questions. That's right, answers for the quiz questions. Let's start with number one. It was, you know, Proverbs 17. It's better to meet a bear robbed of its what than a full bent on folly. What? Whelps. Whelps? Yes. It's the answer. It's cubs. The answer is whelps. Is that like another word? It's like an old people it's what the word. Bible says. It's what the Bible says. Well, the Bridget's Bible also Bridget's says. Shell is nodding cubs. her head. Cubs. She says it's correct. She's looked it up. She's checked it. It is whelps. Whose schemes does the armor of God protect you against? That is the devil's. What did Job say could be bought? Could not be bought with silver, gold, and sapphires. That was C. Wisdom. Wisdom cannot be bought with those things. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous or burdensome. And finally, it was in Capernaum uh, that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. That was all the answers to our quiz. Good job for all those who got those answers correct. But right now it's time for... Question of the day. All right. The question today comes from David, and David asks, We don't know how long of a time there was between the creation and the fall, so was there a possibility of children being born before Genesis 3? Okay, so we've got some hints that we can find in the Bible in relationship to this that indicate that the fall took place very, very soon after the creation. And so let's look at what we are told. First of all, uh, we're told that Adam and Eve were commanded to multiply and uh, fill the earth. Mm. So if they did not do that, they would have actually been disobeying the direct command of God. We also find that their first recorded children is Cain and Abel, and that Cain and Abel obviously were born after the fall. Is it possible they had children before the fall? It would be extremely unlikely uh 
I would say impossible that the Bible would not record children who were born before the fall and how they were then separated from their parents by the fall. That would seem to me to be an integral part of the story, an integral part of the tragedy of what would happen. God would have said, you know, now you're going to have pain in childbirth and now you're going to have thorns and thistles and now you're going to uh, till the ground by the sweat of your brow and you're going to be separated from your family. But the Bible doesn't say that, so it's not plausible um, that they had already had children. Okay, so if they haven't already had children, that means that the fall took place very, very soon after creation. Now, as far as a maximum time after creation, we know that Adam, the Bible says that Adam was 130 years old when Seth was born. Uh, the Seth, the word, the, the name Seth uh, means placed or appointed or in place of and it seems that he was named in place of Abel who had died. And so here's the situation. You have Cain and Abel that are born after the fall who grow to adulthood, to maturity, before Abel is murdered. And then you have Seth that is born after that. And Adam is 130 years old when Seth is born. And so if you work backwards from there, you've got, well, you've kind of probably got a maximum of about 80 years or so uh, between creation and the fall, although even still the fact that they did not have children before the fall indicates that this was weeks or at the most, you know, because you would imagine they are perfect, they are fertile, they, you know, you would, you would assume from that that the fall takes place within a month of creation. Mm. Uh, we don't know exactly how long that was, of course, there's a maximum time period that we can assign to it. There's not a minimum time period. It could have been within days of the creation. But what we do need to be careful of is speculation. Speculation is one of those things that eh, kind of really never gets us anywhere. The Bible is full of great detail. One of the things that would be good that we should always do is to focus on the on what the Bible does say. Uh, speculating about things, it's interesting, but that's all. And so we can speculate on this one. It's not going to get us anywhere, but we do know that whichever way you look at it, it was a very short space of time, and whichever way you look at it, the world is around about 6,000 years old. We don't know exactly, but it is around about that age. And if you want to connect with nature, a great way to do that is to get involved with the annual Aussie Bird Count. Just look Yoof. it up online and you can be involved in it today and the next couple of days. But also don't stay, forget to stay tuned for Tassie Encounters and don't forget to talk faith, live faith and act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.